the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And I'm on the air. This is Dr. Bill. And what a great day to be alive. Super Bowl Sunday. President's going to be acquitted, of course. We knew that all along. Democrats are scurrying all over the place and they don't know what to do and they're still yelling foul and unfair. Are they victims here? I mean, you would think the way they talk that they're the victims. I don't know. Who knows? At any rate, let's put this whole impeachment thing to rest today and enjoy the Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, boy. And I'm looking forward to it. By the way, I've got some uh, comments here I wanted to make on on the two quarterbacks. Now, uh, Galapagos, who I think should really be playing with the iguanas because, you know, the, the, the iguanas really love Galapagos and they go there with him a lot. So I don't know why they don't. But he's playing for San Francisco, the 49ers, and not the Iguanas. And then Mahomes, who has a Scotch-Irish last name. Apparently his father was black, his mother was white. But, you know, the Scotch-Irish emigrated to Texas and uh, tried to start their own republic, as we remember. And then we had the, the revolution. The Texans broke away from Mexico, and then they joined the United States because Mexico was coming back to get them again, and so on and so forth. At any rate, so Mahomes is a is a a, a, a takeoff on the name Mahone, M A H O N E Mahone, which in Irish, Scottish, Gaelic, Celtic, whatever you want to call that language, means your rear end or your derriere. So I was married to a woman named Pogue, P-O-G-U-E, and in Irish Gaelic, uh, that means kiss, K-I-S-S. And when she got mad at me, she would say, Pogue Mahone. So you can figure out what that means, and uh, you can try that on March 17th, which is coming up in a month and a half. So we've got a couple of named uh, quarterbacks here that we want to think about. So we've got Galapagos and the Iguanas and Pogue Mahomes. So let's let's watch the Super Bowl and have fun today. And I'm looking forward to it. And, and I'm I'm betting on Kansas City. I don't know about you guys, but I just I just love watching this guy Mahomes. He is unbelievable. Well I've seen a lot of pneumonia the past few weeks in the hospital and in the office. The wife's picking it up and treating it. And so I thought I better talk about it a little bit. Now community acquired pneumonia Pneumonia is an infection of the lungs, by the way. Community-acquired pneumonias are the most common pneumonias that we see. We do see pneumonias that are uh, caught or contracted or people come down with after being in the hospital or being in a nursing home or being in some kind of a facility. But most of the pneumonias we see are what we call community-acquired. That means you get it out on the street. And the most common bacteria that we see causing pneumonia. Now, you can have a viral pneumonia like influenza, 
but the most common bacterial pneumonias that we see are strep, strep pneumonia, which is a cousin of the strep throat bug, Haemophilus influenza, and Moraxella. Uh, these are the three bugs that we see most frequently, and we can usually treat this outpatient. Now, there's several million cases of pneumonia a year in the United States and causes thousands of deaths. Well, how do you know if you have pneumonia? Well, generally, you're going to have cough and congestion. You're going to have funny sounds in your chest, uh, rattling or uh, what we call wheezing. Uh, it sounds like harmonicas in your chest. Uh, your respiratory rate will go up. That's what we call tachypnea, which means increased or fast breathing. And, of course, you can have uh, body aches and sore throat and ear aches and a runny nose with all of this. Uh, it's, it's pretty common to see people come in with uh, malaise and being just feeling washed out uh, with a fever, chills, and it's very common with pneumococcal pneumonia, strep pneumonia, to have a shaking chill as the initial onset of the, of the infection. So if you have that and then you start coughing and you're congested and feeling bad, you need to get in and see your doctor. And again, the most common bacteria that we see causing pneumonia is the strep pneumonia. This is the one that we vaccinate against when you get the pneumonia shot, the pneumonia vaccine. We see in people with chronic lung disease like emphysema or COPD, we see more often hemophilus influenza or mycoplasma uh, or moraxella. Occasionally we'll see staph, and staph is a bad bug. As you know, staph aureus is uh, the bug that can cause the flesh-eating disease. Oh, boy, we love that. And then in alcoholics, we can see Klebsiella pneumoniae. So there's uh, several bacteria that are fairly common with what we call community-acquired pneumonias. Less common bacteria include mycoplasma, chlamydia, Legionnaire's disease. That Legionnaire's disease is a bad one. Oh, my God, Ken. I had a young Canadian guy. He wasn't 60 years old. He went to the ER on Friday. They gave him some antibiotics and said, well, we think he got a cold. Came back on Sunday. He had pneumonia on his chest X-ray. Admitted him and... Uh, I said, this doesn't look right to me. And so I started him on medication for specifically for treating the Legionnaire's disease. And the, the blood test came back positive for Legionnaire's disease. And he was dead on Friday. I mean, that's a, oh bad, my. It's a, that's a bad disease. And he was a healthy, healthy, you know, relative to me. He was a healthy young guy. And uh, so the, uh, the, the thing that I always do if I have a patient with pneumonia is to make sure that we start them on medication that will treat Legionnaires as well as some more traditional bacteria. And I check the, the blood and the urine test for uh, the Legionnaires uh, uh, disease. So that's important, and, and I want you to think about that when you go to see your doctor. Now, for community-acquired pneumonia, if you're going to your doctor and he thinks you're not that sick and you don't feel that bad and you don't want to go in the hospital, then we usually treat with two antibiotics, uh, in areas where there is a lot of resistance to the ampicillin, amoxicillin, the more common penicillin-based treatments, we go with the third-generation cephalosporin, and we use uh, a, a second-generation erythromycin like the Z-Pak. Everybody knows the Z-Pak. So the wife gives uh, the Canadians a Z-Pak and Ceftonir, which is a third-generation cephalosporin, 
You can also use Augmentin, which is amoxicillin and clavulanic acid. And you don't have to remember all these names, but you do need to know that if you have pneumonia community acquired, you want, in this area especially, where we have a lot of older people with uh, a lot of different bugs and a lot of resistance, that, that you ask your doctor to give you a double antibiotic, a two-antibiotic therapy. Now, when we put you in the hospital, this is exactly what we do if you have community-acquired pneumonia. We give you an intravenous dosage of a third-generation cephalosporin, usually uh, rocephin or ceftriaxone is the generic name, and then the zithromycin, azithromycin, the z pack only, we give it to you in the intravenous form. Now, listen, you can also get a viral pneumonia, and this is a problem because we don't have treatment for a lot of the viruses. It's not... Uh, it's, it's not uncommon, and, and it's certainly not uh, uh, wrong to prescribe uh, medication for the influenza virus when someone comes in, especially during the, vi the influenza virus season, the flu season, to give them not only the antibiotics for the bacterial bugs, but also the uh, Tamiflu or one of, one of the newer drugs that we treat the influenza virus with. Remember, with the influenza virus, the flu virus, well, first of all, get your flu vaccine. That'll cut down your chances of getting it considerably. But secondly, remember, you got to get in early with the flu virus. So if you're sick, it's the flu season, especially if you haven't had your flu vaccine. Go see your doctor so you can get on the anti-flu uh, antibiotic or antiviral medications that will cut down on the influenza infection in you and uh, perhaps prevent you from ending up in the hospital with a secondary pneumonia or dead. And you don't want that. Well, I mean, if you're dead, you don't know, so it doesn't matter. But <clears throat> your family might not be too happy. So do get in early, especially if you have the symptoms uh, of the influenza virus. This is cold-like symptoms. It, it also involves inflammation of your trachea, which is that upper tube that leads to your lungs and it's right below your Adam's apple and where that little notch is in your in your neck and your you know where your clavicle your collarbones are if you follow those to the middle you'll feel a little notch there and that if you push hard you'll choke yourself but so don't push too hard but if you push a little bit you'll feel your trachea and one of the uh, one of the hallmarks of the influenza infection is tracheitis, inflammation of the trachea. So you get pain and coughing and congestion. And of course, it can get into your lungs and you can get a secondary pneumonia, bacterial and all kinds of problems. So get in and get treated. And uh, if you have a cough and uh, rattling in your chest and symptoms of uh, systemic uh, infection, achy fever, chills, sweats, all that, then get in and see your doctor so you can get some treatment for that. It's important, you know, it really is. Uh, you got to take care of yourself. Well, what about the immunizations? This is always confusing because people come in to me, Ken, and they say, well, I got the pneumonia vaccine. Why do I have pneumonia? Well, the pneumonia vaccine only covers the pneumococcal bacteria, the strep pneumoniae, and it only covers up to 23 different capsular strains. You say there's more than one strain of pneumococcal pneumonia? Oh, yeah, there's, there's a bunch of them because the Bacteria, they multiply so quickly that they can mutate, they can uh, evolve, uh, they can change their genetics uh, very quickly. And uh, so there's 23 capsular strains that we so far have been able to uh, 
make a vaccine for. Now, we've got two vaccines out, Prevnar, which is the Prevnar 13, and this is approved for kids uh, six weeks to 17 years of age and adults 50 years and older. And then the 23-valent 23-valent pneumococcal polysaccharide vaccine, uh, which is the Pneumovax. This is the older one, and the Prevnar is the newer one. This is approved for adults age 65 or older and people under two years of age uh, or people who are at increased risk for having problems like people with immune diseases, with HIV, with who, who are on chemotherapy, who lost their spleen either through an accident or for medical reasons have had their spleen out. And so the immunization committee now recommends the use of this Prevnar, the, P, the PCV13, in addition to the uh, the uh, Pneumovax 23 uh, for adults older than 65 years of age, which is me, so I've had both. So it's recommended that an initial dose of the Prevnar 13 be given if you're first going in for your pneumococcal vaccination, your pneumonia vaccination, followed by the, the uh, Pneumovax 23 one year later. Now, if you've already had the 23, the Pneumovax 23, which a lot of us have had, it should be followed by the Prevnar a year later, which I did. Now, second dose of the 23, it's not needed uh, unless you have some other problems going on. Now, if the 23 is given prior to a year after the 13, uh, then you don't need to repeat it as long as you're in good health otherwise. So for the old farts like you and me, Ken, the Prevnar 13 and 23 are both indicated. Thank you. Your Velcro, that way it'll stick. So uh, I want you guys to think about this and get your vaccinations. I know a lot of people say, oh, I don't believe in vaccinations. You know what? We're living longer, healthier, happier lives because of the amazing innovations that have taken place in medicine and pharmacology and immunology and vaccinations and uh we're, we're just, we're, we're the best we have ever been as a species. So let's not let that go to waste and let's make sure that we do hang on to what we have, which is good health and longer life. And did you see the latest now is despite what Blumberg is saying that actually the, the, uh, the uh, average life expectancy is going up. Now, of course, these are minuscule numbers. So, you know, they're months not years. And when you're talking about people in their seventies already, you're talking about, you know, a half or a quarter of a percent increase, but still that's better than the other direction. I think every day, every day, every day is I good. Mean, give, me, exactly. give me two or three more. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> give me a month. Okay. I'll take it. So much beer, so little time. <laughs> <laughs> so this is uh, this is important. I love it, baby. I love it. You know, we're, we're just so much better off and we can use our technology and our big brains to solve our problems. Do what the doctor says. That's been my, my, my modus operandi all my life. Well, and absolutely it should be uh, even doubly true since you're now working with me. So. <laughs> absolutely. I listen to everything you say is gospel. That's right. The doctor is in and the That's doctor right. is right. Dr. Bill is here. So at any rate, I got to tell you a little bit more about, uh, because I had this conversation. Hang on a minute. I got to grab a piece of paper here. Now, some of my employees are black, 
you know, the, the people that work in my office. And we've got a young uh, PA student who is interning with us doing a rotation. And his last name is Aiden, only it's spelled uh, A-O-E something, something, something. It's the traditional Gaelic, Celtic spelling of the name. And if, if you know the Celts, if you know their genetics, when they first got booted out of Europe by the German tribes, and then they went to Great Britain, and then they got pushed north into Scotland, and then over into Ireland because the German tribes came into southern Britain as well as the the uh, Romans in the first century A.D., the Romans decided they wanted southern Britain, too. By the way, Britain is a, a Latin name. At any rate, so they were fair-skinned, you know, blonde, red-headed, uh, uh, sunburned easily, a lot of skin cancers, thank God. We appreciate that. But in 1588, you probably don't remember this, Ken. This was a little bit before you were born. <laughs> The Spanish Armada, the, the Spaniards and the uh, the Portuguese and all those Latin-speaking people, the Latin Romance languages, they decided they were going to go kick Britain's butt and uh, force Queen Elizabeth to turn the British Empire back into a Catholic country. And, of course, they had uh, gone the Protestant way, although there was still toleration of Catholics. So at any rate, the, you know, King Philip sent his fleet up there, and, and Sir Francis Drake and all his buddies, they were able to set fire to half of the fleet and have a few battles, and then a big storm came along. And with all of the problems that the Spanish Armada encountered, they were defeated. And this, this gale, this hurricane, blew them up through the North Sea. They were in the English Channel off the coast of southern England. And they ended up going... The ships that survived ended up going around the north end of the British Isle and coming back down between Ireland and Great Britain on the, what is the west side of the British Isles. And, and that's called the Sea of Ireland or the Irish Sea. And a lot of the people that were shipwrecked were Portuguese sailors, and they made it ashore to Ireland. Well, guess what? They had an immediate ally in the Celts and the Irish because the British, the Anglo-Saxons and the Normans and all of the German tribes that, and, and uh, all of the uh, uh, Viking tribes that had come over to southern England had booted them out. So that, that animosity is still there. And they just loved the fact that the Spanish Armada was fighting the British. And so they welcomed these Portuguese sailors in. And the Portuguese sailors were swarthy, dark-skinned. You know, they had a lot of Moorish blood in them because of the Moors, the the uh, the Muslim Moors had conquered the Iberian Peninsula, most of it, Spain and Portugal. And so, you know, there was some African blood there. And so that blood line got into the Irish bloodline. And so there are now black haired, dark skinned Irishmen, and they're called black Irish. Well, my, you know, and I, I looked at my intern, my student, I said, you're Irish? He said, yeah, I'm Irish. My father was Irish. I said, oh, you're black Irish. He says, yeah. And of course, my my black employees who were standing there looked at me like, are you crazy? He's not black. And so I explained this whole thing to him. They're like, we never knew that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we're much more intermixed than we really know. Don't you know? So is there uh, anything you don't know, Doc? You are just one of the most well-informed people I've ever heard. Well, that's because all I do is uh, eat and read and, and work in the shop and read and 
And well, keep it stuff. up. I love it. I'm a, you know, I'm trying my best here. So somebody said, is there anything that you can't do? And I said, I can't menstruate and I can't gestate. So I'm leaving <laughs> that for the women uh, and ladies. I'm counting on you to continue with that. I don't want that duty or responsibility. You make the babies. Uh, yeah. You're not going to change that one, Doc. No, no, well, not yet. No. We're getting closer with the genetics, but you know, <laughs> once the genetic engineers decide that they finally figured out how to do it, by then I'll probably be dead, though, but who knows. It's not really anyway, necessary, something they probably shouldn't be working on, in my opinion, anyway. So. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I mean, I think that we need to have some, some ethics and some stops on that. There's no doubt about that. Well, I wanted to tell you, with all the news that's going on, the two big items are the uh, the uh, impeachment and the Super Bowl. And I was thinking about how could we parlay the two into, uh, you know, kind of a mutual bet. Uh, we could have like a box of eight and, uh, and you know, impeached, not impeached. Uh, the numbers, <laughs> you know, 51 to 49. And, I'm going to go with Kansas City and no impeachment. There you go. Yeah, Kansas City. So we get a box and, you know, everybody throws a couple of bucks in and buys a, a ticket. We could have a, you know, a pretty good, little pot there going yeah, I, I, thought, I thought that would be a good idea so at any rate year. keep that in mind next, for next year, year next year so when it's in tampa uh, so it'll be four it'll be more fun absolutely and but i did want to tell you this because i think that it's important to share this with you because you're not getting all of the news first of all because the the news you know the the mainstream press doesn't want to report this kind of stuff and secondly they're more distracted with the Super Bowl and the president's uh, impeachment or his acquittal or whatever. So last week, a man accused of killing two police officers in uh, Fallujah, Iraq, while acting as a leader of one of the Al-Qaeda groups, was arrested in Phoenix, Arizona. So you wonder about this travel ban and why Trump wants a travel ban on some of these people coming from some of these countries. And here's a perfect example, Ken. Ali Youssef Ahmad al-Nuri, 42-year-old, he's wanted in Iraq for premeditated murder of a couple of cops in Fallujah in 2006. And so he snuck out of Iraq and got over here, and the U.S. District Attorney's Office in Arizona said that they issued a warrant and that they picked him up and that he's being extradited back to Iraq for the crimes that he committed. How on earth can anybody say that vetting these folks before they come over here is wrong? I, I mean, I don't get it. Uh, you got a you got a guy that is a first degree murderer in Iraq who snuck into the United States to escape uh, prosecution back in Iraq. Well, he's being extradited back to Iraq. That's a good thing. He was the leader of an Al Qaeda group in Fallujah, which planned operations which targeted the Iraqi police force. So, you know, we're not the only country where police are being targeted. Uh, and unfortunately, it's probably more egregious in Iraq and in some of the other countries where there is uh, the conflict going on because of the religion of peace, you know, Islam. So the Secretary of State's involved, and he's going to obviously send this guy back and, uh, but he never should have come in in the first place. That's the, no, that's the we problem. Don't, that's the problem. We don't know how he got here or how long he's been in Phoenix. I mean, you can't blame him for picking Phoenix. That's a nice area. But, Especially uh, this time of year. It's not too yeah, hot. Time, yeah, so. yeah, it's beautiful. He came in, he's coming from the desert. It's got to be. 
yeah, there's there's an obvious affinity there. So you know you got to love it, and so the corollary to all of this is that Trump has expanded his uh, travel ban to six more countries, one of them being Nigeria, and you know where Nigeria is, right? Nigeria is in sub-Saharan Africa. It's on the west coast. It's the largest population country in Africa. And it's been a, a close trading partner and friend of the United States for, for decades. Uh, it's also a big oil producer. And it has been a, a harbor for a lot of shipping companies. They, they go there because of favorable tax and uh, 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 regulate, regulatory benefits. And so you'll see a lot of, of international tankers and shippers that go under a Nigerian flag. Uh, that doesn't mean they were made in Nigeria or that all of the crews are Nigerian. It just means that just as a lot of people have registered their their uh, corporations in the United States and Delaware because of the favorable, at least until recent years, because of the favorable treatment by the Delaware uh, state uh, government and the rules and laws and regulations they've set up, a lot of shippers will go to, uh, a lot of big shipping companies will incorporate and uh, run their their businesses out of Nigerian or under Nigerian names. So any rate, the problem we have with Nigeria is that they have a large Muslim population, which is violent. And uh, what's the name of the group? The uh, Boko Haram, or is that it? Did I get Boko it right? Boko Haram, yeah. From... Yeah, Boko Haram, which is in the northern part of the country. Now, there's a big Christian population, the Biafrans, and there was a big civil war back in the 1960s. The Biafrans were trying to break away. I think their tribe is the Ebo, E-B-O, but I can't remember for sure. Don't quote me on that. Them I and haven't are, heard of, so, yeah. Yeah, there are a number of uh, Nigerian doctors in our community, and, uh, you know, they were the the upper class, so to speak, in Nigeria after the British left. And again, I say uh, colonialism ended just a little bit too early. But, you know, a lot of people don't like to hear that. And I know President Woodrow Wilson would be upset, but that's too bad. He's dead, so I'm going to say what I want. And uh, <laughs> I'm sure he feels that way, too. It's too bad. Yeah, <laughs> he probably doesn't care either. So at any rate, so the the – the uh, Biafrans were defeated in the Civil War, and the, you, you're too young to remember this, Ken, but they were starving, and we, we had to airlift food to them. It was a, it was a frightful situation. The you know, National Geographic and Life magazine went down and did photo pics and all that of the little kids with their big bellies. And mm-hmm. one of my friends who's a neurologist in town, he was actually a child soldier uh, during some of the conflicts, and... Uh, he, he just hates war. He hates guns. And uh, he's just the nicest guy you ever want to meet. Uh, works as a butt off, bright guy, uh, just just a wonderful human being. Very typical looking uh, Nigerian. They have a very typical look, the especially the Biafrans. And uh, so the, Biafra, uh, the Nigerians now, their government is now addressing this because of the travel ban. They're going to tighten up their 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 vetting and their security and their application process. A lot of this is not just because of of Islamic terrorism. It's because there are not the uh, the, the same and reciprocal security and uh, investigatory and applicatory regulations in these countries that we have here. 
And I don't know, have you applied for a passport? Not in yeah. recent years, about five, ten years ago, somewhere around there. But it, even it took then, a while, yeah. It, yeah, you know, it's a big process, yeah. and they, you know, they want everything, including, you know, hair and toenail clippings. Pretty now. much, yeah. Yeah. So, and we want other countries to do the same thing. Uh, you know that that's important. We want that because we think that it's important for our security as well as for theirs that we have this. And that, and you know, a perfect example is this guy in Phoenix, Arizona, who snuck over here after. 2006 after he knocked off a couple of cops over in Fallujah in the name of uh, Allah uh, the religion of peace and uh, so we need to make sure that we uh, are diligent and that we demand that other countries even friendly countries like Nigeria that they are diligent in their processes too not only is it necessary for us to protect ourselves but it's also necessary that we put pressure on these countries and and uh, like my friend steve says who i disagree with on almost everything else he says islam needs to undergo its reformation and you know we're going to force that reformation one way or another and i think that using our legal system our international pressure our trade our ability to say you can't come here and of course everybody wants to come here even though the democrats say we're the worst country on earth they're still beating down the doors trying to get in ken oh my god of course they are who wouldn't want to live here compared to what some of the things you just described as a matter of fact you know i had to throw three uh uh, illegal immigrants off of my front stoop this morning just to get out and get the newspaper. They want to come in and have breakfast. You got to move, Doc. <laughs> I'm telling you. Yeah, I got to get away from the border. <laughs> this border living is not, not where it's at. But at any rate, you get the idea. People still want to come here, and we have the power and the ability, and we have the duty and the responsibility. You know, if, if you're on call in the emergency room, it's not only a responsibility, it's a privilege because you get patients. And you get to stay active on staff. And so uh, it's you have responsibilities that are also privileges. And this is not only a privilege for us to be able to do this. It's also a responsibility for us to do this, to put pressure. And I think we're doing the same thing with this uh, coronavirus and banning flights to China. I don't know how effective it's going to be, but uh, certainly it it's, not gonna more pressure. it's not going to hurt. It's not going to hurt. Yeah. And it's going to put more pressure on the Chinese to uh, to come clean and be more honest with us and uh, work more closely with the uh, World Health Organization and our CDC, which basically the World Health Organization is just a, 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 an arm of our CDC. We were, we're still doing a lot of the heavy lifting, although the Europeans have stepped up in recent years and they're, they're doing a lot of work too. And the Chinese have the ability. They've got, they've got all this ability. They have the brain power they have the resources and uh, they they're capable of jumping in and helping out as well obviously they got a ways to go it's a big country uh, they're still developing they're almost there but they still got a little bit more to go and viruses like uh, like the corona which are are not uh, as serious as SARS or Ebola in terms of the number of people that will be killed, but it's serious in that it is highly contagious. You know, the coronavirus and the rhinoviruses, these are probably the two most common cold viruses, and you get one that's mutated a little bit and it's a little more aggressive and has a a death rate of maybe 1% or 2%, especially in countries like China. Uh, You know, you've got to take it seriously. Uh, It's it's not that it's going to kill me or you, Ken, 
you know, the United States, it's going to be a rare day when somebody dies from coronavirus, unless it's some drunken bum on the street. Who but China, China's got a billion people. One or two percent of a billion people is a lot of people. Yeah, and that is, and so they they have to be aggressive. They have to, and they've really they've. I mean, uh, Wuhan was a city of several million, and it's just a ghost town right now. Have you seen the pictures of that? Uh, it, I've seen some video. Yeah, it's just it's unbelievable. Nobody moving. Yeah, there's nothing on. No one's on the street. Nobody's on the street. And I saw one American guy who's married to a, a Chinese woman, and they're living in Wuhan. And he said, "We can't even go out and get food." And the uh, reporter said, well, how long can you last? He said, well, we've got a couple of weeks of food, but if it doesn't ease up by then, then people are going to go out and do what they have to do. Even if the government says you can't go outside, you have to stay in your house. What are you going to do, starve to death? I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm glad to be here in the USA. Yeah. uh, We got a great here. And again, I say this is one of the best times in history to be alive. And this is the best nation on earth, not only because of our political structure, but because of our technology and our health care and all of that. And I'm going to go grab a cup of Joe, Guy. What's it? It's good, close to break time, isn't it? Uh, we can go. Sure. Get your coffee if you want. Yeah. What's it? Close to 35 after the hour? Absolutely. Anytime you I'm like with that. you, man. I'll be back. I'm Dr. Bill, and we're having fun. Come on back. we got more to talk about. I jump so high, I touch the clouds. Whoa, oh, oh. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. The Philippines is reporting the first death from that new virus outside of China. In China, authorities have delayed the opening of schools in the worst-hit province and tightened a quarantine measure in one city that allows only one family member to leave the building every day. Philippine officials say a 44-year-old Chinese man from Wuhan was admitted on January 25th. He developed severe pneumonia and has died. The Philippines has joined the U.S. and others in banning entry to travelers from China. Dozens of homes have been destroyed overnight in Australia's southeast, but the wildfire threat has diminished across New South Wales State and around the national capital of Canberra. The overnight fire brought losses of homes in the valley to more than 400 in the current fire season. And uh, Iran's official news agency says the EU's new foreign affairs chief is visiting tomorrow. This is SRN News. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of can care, 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Hello, this is Dr. Bill Handelman for our good friends at Tampa Bay Imaging. TBI provides state-of-the-art MRI and CT scanning with the lowest radiation possible. Most insurance plans accepted and self-pay rates are very competitive. TBI is conveniently located in Tampa and St. Pete with evening and weekend appointments. So call TBI today or ask your doctor. In Tampa, call 813-386-3674. St. Pete, call 727-545-9674. 
Paid non-attorney spokesperson Bailey Greer Law Firm with principal offices in Memphis, Tennessee. If you or a loved one had a hernia mesh implanted after 2010 and experienced complications that required a repair or replacement of hernia mesh, you may be entitled to substantial compensation. Hernia mesh implants can cause serious complications that require additional surgery to remove or replace the hernia mesh implant. If you had hernia mesh surgery any time after 2010 and experienced complications that required a repair or replacement, call 800-631-7610. 800-631-7610. Across America, it's snoring season. 90 million Americans make this sound every night. If you have a blocked or narrow nose, you're more likely to open your mouth to breathe, causing snoring. Introducing an ingenious Australian invention called Mute. Mute is a comfortable nasal device that helps you breathe more easily through your nose and snore less. Put snoring season to bed, America. For more information, go to MuteSnoring.com. Mute. Breathe more, snore less, sleep better. Take AM860, The Answer, with you wherever you go with our mobile app, TheAnswerTampa.com, Alexa, TuneIn, iHeart, and at Radio.com. To battle is to fight, to struggle, to overcome, and ultimately for the Marine Corps, it means to win. There is no alternative. It's not just a statement of intent. It's a promise to our nation, a promise kept for more than two centuries, a promise of the Marines. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast. Hi, Rich Print Risk in effect through this evening. It will be a mostly sunny day today with a high 63. Clear night, low 48. Partial sunshine tomorrow. A warmer day with a high 71. Then a partly cloudy night, low 53. Partly sunny for Tuesday, high 74. Later at night, clouds break, low 61. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Kevin Snyder for AM860, The Answer. This is And I'm back. This is Dr. Bill singing a little bit there of the best day of my life. Super Bowl Sunday. All right. This is almost as good as Christmas and New Year's. I'm telling you, I love this day. We're going to have a little party with some friends uh, in the neighborhood here. Nothing big. Uh, I've got a busy day, Ken. Oh, my God. I've got about 10, 15 people I got to see in the hospital. Uh, I've got to do some dictation. Uh, I've got to get some orders written. I'm not going to work in the workshop today, though. I don't have time. And then the wife is spanking me and beating me and making me do things. It's terrible, terrible the way that woman treats me. <laughs> what time does this What time does this party actually start at your house, Doc? And what's that address again? The address is 6227. <laughs> <laughs> Only we won't be here. We'll be at the neighbor's. So oh, okay. Well, we'll just start knocking. I'll start knocking on dogs. I'll find you. Don't worry about well, it. Well, there might be some uh, some illegal immigrants at the front door, so <laughs> you'll have to right. fight your way through. <laughs> Beer's well, in the fridge in the in the uh, garage if you if you do make it. Got to get you in another neighborhood somewhere. I I'm telling you, it's just <laughs> terrible. <laughs> All right. So many golfers and golf carts going by. I, I know those it. golf carts, those guys. Are... It's just as bad. At any rate, so we've been talking about the uh, the travel ban, uh, among other things, and the president has expanded it to some other countries, and this includes Kazakhstan, Nigeria, Sudan, uh, Eritrea, and Tanzania. Now, Kazakhstan is in Central Asia. It's one of the former Soviet uh, USSR, SSR republics, and... Uh, it has a large Muslim population. And then, of course, Nigeria, we just talked about, and the Sudan, which is uh, also in 
in Africa, but it's in northern Africa. It's uh, super-Saharan, and a part of it is in the Sahara. And I know a doctor from there, and he left because, according to him, he was sick of the Civil War, and he's a Muslim. He's a very devout devout Muslim and kind of an arrogant guy, which which I I seem to sense from a lot of the uh, devout Muslim doctors that they're very arrogant. They think that they're they're uh, morally superior to to a lot of us, and they probably are morally superior to me. But you know, I don't, not you can. I mean, <laughs> of course, I'm a reprobate and a no good Nick, and uh, I don't. We mind are being, kindred spirits, Docs. You just don't know it. You see. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind being morally <laughs> inferior, but I just would appreciate it if you wouldn't remind me of that every time I see you. Sure, I and, can understand uh, how you would be upset about that. Yeah, that's a little upsetting, yeah. and so. <clears throat> That's fine. You you want to practice Islam or Christianity or Judaism. I respect your right to practice that. But, you know, don't make me feel like I'm less than you because I don't practice the religion that you believe in uh, or that I don't practice any religion at all. So at any rate, uh, Eritrea is on the Horn of Af- Africa. That's pointing towards Saudi Arabia over there on the on the east side of Africa. And the the three countries on the horn are, are Ethiopia, Eritrea, and uh, Somalia. And we know Somalia because of the of the big to-do Black Hawk down and all the people that were killed, all of our soldiers in that to-do when Clinton, the scumbag, was president. Oh, pardon my French. Uh, so we've got five or six more countries that have been added. Tanzania is in sub-Saharan Africa on the east coast on the other side from, from Nigeria. And so Nancy Pelosi is criticizing the ban, calling it discrimination disguised as policy. Uh, you know, we can't help it that Islam has taken hold in countries that are quote, quote, uh, people of color. I mean, it's, it's not like I went out when I was a baby and, and told everybody in sub-Saharan Africa, hey, you need to convert to Islam. You know, this is something that has just happened, and it's, it's not my fault, it's not your fault, it's not anybody's fault. It's the way that the uh, situation has evolved over the centuries. So Nancy says she's going to introduce legislation barring religious discrimination in the U.S. immigration system uh, within a few weeks. And, of course, that's after she's done with impeachment. And I love it. She said, impeachment is forever. And so Trump's going to, his rebuttal is going to be acquittal is forever. Did you hear him say that? <laughs> I haven't heard him say that, but yeah, it's a good line. Yeah. With that. <laughs> now, this travel ban, by the way, is not on people who are traveling here for business or who are on a student visa. This is for people who want to immigrate to the United States, who want to move here and live here and become, uh, you know, uh, get a green card and eventually become a citizen. So Nigeria sends the most immigrants to the United States, approximately 7,900 immigrant visas to Nigerians in fiscal 2018. And so you can see that this is a big number of people that are coming from from, uh, Nigeria, from the African continent. And I certainly welcome people from the African continent. I mean, I, I can't tell you how much I love Obi and what I think of him, what a great guy he is. And he's been a real asset to our community. He's a neurologist, and and we're kind of short on neurologists, so it's 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 wonderful to have him. 
and he he's a good guy, you know, and he has the same problems and the same family dynamics as everybody else. I remember uh, uh, years ago I had uh, uh, a Haitian doctor who was working with us, and uh, she was upset because her uncle had died in Haiti. Of course, she's black Haitian. There's not many white Haitians. And she didn't want to talk about it. And I said, well, you know, tell me, what's the problem? She said, well, my father and my uncle have, haven't spoken for years. And I said, why not? She said, well, my uncle got into alcohol and drugs, and uh, he died recently. And, you know, my father's going to go to the funeral out of respect. But uh, I'm embarrassed to talk about it, you know, being from Haiti and these problems and all that. So then I told her my family story. Uh Grandpa Handelman ended up in prison for a little bit. He did a stint for uh, fixing traffic tickets up in New Jersey. Uh, my uh, grandpa Bonarowski, he was an alcoholic and a Polish immigrant, never learned to speak English. My mother's uncles were a bunch of reprobates. And uh, I mean, you know, every family has problems. Uh, there are alcohol and drug problems in every family. There are psychiatric illness in every family. It doesn't matter whether you're from the Horn of Africa, whether you're from Haiti, or whether you're from Louisville, Kentucky. You know, families are families, and family dynamics are the same everywhere. I mean, look at the royal family. Look what happened with uh, with Meg and Harry. I mean, she said, I don't want to deal with, with mom, and I don't want to deal with your family, and I'm leaving, and I'm taking the baby. And he said, well, <laughs> what choice do I have? When five years, he'll figure it out. He does have a choice, but you know, he wants to be with his family. He wants to be with his baby and his wife. And uh, every family has problems. Every family has problems. And Obi was talking to me about one of his kids, who was his problem child. And and you know, I told him, I said, look, Obi, I was the same way when I was at that age. I was rebellious, and I didn't want to settle down and do anything. And it took me a few years to get through that. Uh, that rough time and to calm down enough to get back in school and get my degrees and he'll be okay. And, uh, you know, the stories you hear, it doesn't matter if you're black or white or Korean, uh, uh, Mongolian or whatever. They're all the same stories. My wife's family, uh, and I have to laugh at my wife because she loves listening to the, uh, the Korean, uh, or watching the Korean movies about the Korean history. And she says, oh, we were so much more violent than anybody else. You know, the, the son killing the father to take the throne and all that. That's in every culture. That's in every culture. So then I explained to her the English uh, uh, royal line and all the people that had been murdered by brothers, cousins, sons, fathers in order to seize the throne. It, it's all the same. And so, Nancy, I say to you, you're using this as a political uh, axe, and it's not going to play out well with the majority of Americans. Most of us like what we have. We appreciate what the president's trying to do to protect us. And we don't think that this is uh, a, a, a racist policy. This, the, this is just the way it is. These are the facts of life. You know, the religion of peace has taken hold in populations that are often people of color. And that's, that's not something that, that any white American has had a, anything to do with. That's not by some uh, diabolical government design out of the Trump White House. I mean, uh, Islam's been around since, the, what, the 7th century 
AD, so it's what, 13, 1400 years old now. Uh, and uh, I wasn't born then, Ken. I mean, I, I can say that I was born a long time ago, but not that long ago. Uh, <laughs> and so that's, we, that's a little early, yeah. That's a little <laughs> early. So we, we have to we have to inject a little bit of common sense into this this uh, this situation in this debate and the visa restrictions will not apply to refugees according to the officials so if you're a christian who's being persecuted in nigeria in northern nigeria by uh, boko haram and you somehow escape and want to get out of the country you can apply for uh, uh, a visa for being persecuted we we're not going to say no to that and we want you here if you're if you're being persecuted by muslims in your country we want you to come to the united states we want to save you if you're a christian or a jew or a hindu or a buddhist who's being uh persecuted by the way myanmar is on the list now myanmar the old burma you know they've gotten into a tiff with the rohingya the majority of the myanmar's are uh are, are, are Buddhist, and they have a small uh, Muslim minority who were beating up on the Buddhist in the, I believe, the, the, the northwest part of the country. And so the government went in and, and stepped on the Rohingya, and, you know, the Rohingyas fled into neighboring countries, India and Bangladesh, and uh, n now there's an international outcry, and some of the Muslim countries are suing uh, Myanmar, because of what they purportedly did uh, to the uh, Rohingya, the, the subpopulation that are Muslims. But nobody talks about what the Rohingya did to the Buddhist. <clears throat> and you say, well, how do you know all this, Doc? Well, <laughs> once again, exactly. One of the how do you know all this, Doc? One of the, well, I talked to people, and one of the doctors at the hospital, uh, she is from Myanmar, and she's, uh, uh, you know, she's from old Burma. And so we talk, and she, she has to talk in secret because a lot of her ideas and politics and feelings are not popular with some of the other hospital doctors because uh, they're not liberal. And she has seen firsthand what the uh, religion of peace can do to Buddhism and Christianity and Judaism and all the other religions. So <clears throat> there's always another side to the story, isn't there? And so Myanmar is on the list. Uh, and again, this is not necessarily a religious phenomena. This is, uh, this is a security phenomena and uh, a process. It's, it's because of the way in which people are being uh, processed. To, and you can imagine that the Buddhist majority are more than happy to get rid of the Muslim minority. And if there are Rohingya who are applying for uh, visas to the United States, and they're not going to do a very good job of vetting them, because they want them out of their country, and they're happy to boot them to the United States. And that's not the first time we've seen this. We know this goes on. And we know that uh, just just as Castro, remember the Muriel boat lift? You remember that, Ken? Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the Muriel boat lift was uh, an opportunity for Castro to get rid of psychiatric patients. That's right. Open up the prisons, and, let them all out. And criminals. And, and I know because I took care of them. I mean, I, I, I know firsthand from being on call in the ER over the decades and having admitted Cubans who, by the way, never learned to speak English, uh, older Cubans who were 
psychiatrically uh, uh, ill and, uh, you know, had never worked. And they were on welfare, on U.S. welfare. And basically, we just were taking care of Castro's psychiatric patients that he didn't, didn't want to take care of or couldn't afford to anymore. So this is not new. We know this. We know that there are a lot of places in the world that would love to send their problems to us. And we don't mind helping out, but can't you guys work out things at home and we'll send you some, you know, some gift baskets. (laughs) We'll send you some money. We'll send you some food. We'll help you out any way we can. But do we have to take on every single problem that the world is encountering and bring it here? Is that our, I mean, again, I say colonialism ended way too early, way too early. It's just another form of colonialism that we're bringing all these people here and then we have to try to uh, uh, educate them to our political system and our philosophical system and the Western way of life. And, and we will succeed. We'll win this. I mean, we're already winning it. Most of the world wants what we have. They want American movies. They want American food. They want American lifestyle. They want American democracy. And we should continue to export that along with McDonald's and, and uh, all the other things that we're sending around the world. And we're happy to help out, but we want you to We'll educate you. We'll train you to our way of thinking, our way of life. But you got to go back home and infect your people with our way of life. That's what we want. We don't want to bring you over here permanently and then have to take care of all the problems that could have been taken care of back at home. So the visa restrictions will not apply to refugees, uh, people who are seeking political asylum or relief from uh, persecution. It's only going to apply to uh, people who are seeking immigration for non-political and uh, non-refugee reasons. So, you know, if and this is the problem that, that the British, the English were having with the with the uh, European Union is they were being forced to accept all these people who were claiming they were refugees, but they were just coming to England because they wanted a better economic opportunity coming from North Africa and from the Middle East and from Eastern Europe. And by the way, the British are ecstatic. Have you seen the the newsreels? I mean, they are cheering as if they're, I mean, it's like July 4th over there. They're out of the European Union now, and they feel that they are once again an independent country. And, of course, the European Union wants to negotiate a trade deal, but they want the trade deal to include all of the restrictions on the the, uh, environment and on uh, immigration and... uh, and all the other liberal policies that the European Union had instituted that the British felt were uh, taking away their sovereign rights. And so the people on the left say, well, don't make it a nationalistic movement. Well, what the hell do you think it is? I mean, you know, I'm not French. I'm not uh, Italian. I love the Italians, love the food, love the French. I love visiting. But I don't want to be part of the European Union. I don't want to be absorbed through that. So I think that, once again, good fences make good neighbors. Getting close to the end of the show, Mahone and Galapagos, my two men who are playing each other. Galapagos is with the Iguanas. Mahone is with the uh, the Pogues. And I think it's going to be a great game. 
and I'm looking forward to it. And I hope that we have a wonderful Super Bowl Sunday. Everybody be safe. Don't get too drunk. Uh, make sure that you are appropriate. And don't forget to parlay your bet with the impeachment trial. Uh, I think that uh, it's probably going to be 53 to 47. And I think the score for the Super Bowl is going to be 23-19 Kansas City. I'm Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. Love you guys. And I am out of here. Catch you next week. The Doctor's 